welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Hey, if you've been forgiven a lot, you can feel the impact and the power of God and how He wants to meet you exactly where you're at. Man, thank you for joining us this morning. If you're with us, go ahead, wave to somebody, give them an air high five. Say what's up, you can make your way, grab a seat on your way down. Man, I'm excited. My name's TJ, if I haven't met you, it's great to have you with us to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Man, I don't know, when we opened things up, I was pumped. For a lot of you that don't know, this is our first Easter in person as a church. And that song we opened up with was our first attempt to try to figure out live streaming online for an Easter service, trying to get all creative. We got people in different boxes singing. It was great. Graves into gardens? He turns graves into gardens. How many people believe that? I believe it. I feel like we need some more. By the end of this service, I promise you, there'll be some more shouting in that. Because God is a God of abundantly more. He wants to meet us exactly where we're at. And he's got a message for us here today. He wants to meet all of us here today because all of us have been through something. All of us have had trials, tribulations, struggles, and today we celebrate the day that Jesus isn't dead, but he's alive. That he is risen. Yes, we can celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. On Friday, we we reflected on a sacrifice that Jesus made. A lot of you have heard about the story of Jesus. A lot of you have heard about this man that died and then rose again. Those of you that have rocked a Jesus piece at some point, I had one in high school before I knew Jesus. That's cool. It looks dope. But there's a story behind it. There's a story to tell. And today for Easter service, we're going to be in a few places in the Bible. It's going to be fun. I'm going to tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story, the greatest story ever told. But we're going to be in Luke 24. If you got your Bible, you can find it there. If you got a Bible app, that's cool. If you don't have the Bible app, it's free. I like free stuff. We give out a free coffee mug. We give you a free Bible app. We didn't make the app. It's even easier to give away. But I also want you to know not to be intimidated by the Bible. Some of you are like, man, I've never opened a Bible in my life. You think that a Bible is this big rule book about here's the things I have to do to earn the love of God. And you need to know that that's not what it's about. This Bible is a love story about the God who created each and every one of us who said, you know what? I've created you perfect and in my image. And I want to spend life with you. But because of the fall of man, we were separated from God through sin, and God's been fighting to get us ever since. And that culminated on what we celebrate today through the sacrifice of Jesus and what he did for us. That is what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, the fact that Jesus is alive. And this is that story of Jesus coming to get us. It's a love story about saying, man, this is not what I have to do to be loved by God. It's saying, this is what God had to do. He couldn't hold himself back because of how much he loves each and every one of us. He cannot hold himself back from saying, I got to go after them. And I know that because of the sin that entered, they can't come in my presence. So I'm going to send my son to be that sacrifice. That's who Jesus is. And that's what he did for us. Luke 24, verse 6 is where I'm starting. This is when they rolled away. the The stone was rolled away from the tomb. Angel appeared to some women and said, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He was telling them about it. If you're taking notes, 
Title of this message is History in the Making. History in the making because his story is the greatest story ever told. His story is a story of sacrifice and love, but his story leads to some other stories we're going to look at, but ultimately it culminates because he wants to meet you in your story. He wants to meet you in your story. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much that you're here, that you're with us this morning, and Lord, I pray that you help me get out of the way. Whatever you want to say, whoever you need to speak to, this is between you and them. I just want to be a conduit to help make it possible, God. But I'm thankful for those that came into here today, those bravely coming, those who were pulled by a parent. <laughs> Someone said, come on, you got to go to church on Easter. I don't care how they got here, they're here, and you're about to do something. So God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, how many people ever seen Hamilton? Not a lot. It's on Disney Plus. You should watch it. It's like, I'm not a musical kind of guy. Melissa's taking me to some musicals, even Wicked, which got wicked reviews, right? I fell asleep. It was good. She loved it. She told me afterwards. I said, can you tell me all about it on the way home? But then this, this Hamilton came out, and I was like, man, they're rapping in this? I'm all about that. So we go... This was all the time for our anniversary in June. We like to go to Chicago, so we, we caught this show. And I'm just like, man, I'm blown away. Lyrically, spitting it. Fellas, if you have not seen it, watch how they put together them bars. But here's what I'm trying to get at. As I walked out of there, I'm like, man, how come I never heard of Hamilton? I was just like, who's this weird dude on a $10 bill? Nobody else? No? Well, now you know. Hamilton, he did some great things. But then I'm sitting there thinking, how true is this? I gotta say what's up to my friends in the balcony too. I feel like I haven't looked up yet. What's up? Is this historically accurate? It couldn't be. All that stuff, there's no way. So I'm on Wikipedia, I'm looking up Google, I'm looking up all this stuff. I'm like, this stuff really happened. This is for real. This took place. Can you believe it? She was like, she said yes. She nodded yes. But I think that's the problem we have with the story of Jesus at times. It's like, man, we heard about Jesus. We've seen him some places before. But we don't know about his full story. Like, what's the research going to tell us about who Jesus is and what he did for us and what that looked like? And as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, it's like, well, let's look at the story of what Jesus did that first day that he rose. Because he did rise. And I'm going to share with you why I, I have so much confidence that this is true. See, because Jesus, on that Friday, was put to a cross. He was beaten and battered, and he was ridiculed. It was, it was the worst death that you could have. A Roman citizen was not allowed to be put onto a cross because of how despicable it was. It was for the lowliest of the lows. But then that next day, as we lead up to Resurrection Sunday, the Pharisees, the teachers, they run to Pilate, the same dude that said, yeah, you can kill Jesus. They run to him like, hey, these disciples, like Jesus, when he was walking around, all of his disciples, Jesus was saying that he's going to rise again on the third day. And if we don't do something about this, it's going to be worse than it was before. If we don't do something about it, they're really going to go crazy. They're going to go and steal his body. We need to put some guards outside of that tomb. That tomb is sealed. We need to put a seal across it. Put the Roman seal across it and set some guards in front of it. He's like, all right, go ahead, cool, do that. I don't want any more chaos. So now you've got these guards that are guarding the tomb. Now Sunday morning comes, and the women are like, I, we got to go arrange Jesus' body. Because the night that he was crucified, 
Joseph, Nicodemus, they snuck in. They had some strings to pull, and they're like, hey, can we take his body? We want to bury him properly because they were worried. They didn't know what, what they would do with Jesus. So they just real quick wrapped him up. They'd wrap up the body and then the head separately, and they put some spices on him and got him into this tomb that no one had ever used before, and, and that's where he's closed in to this day. So on Sunday morning, the women, they weren't celebrating and rejoicing the way we get to today. They were mourning. They were mourning that their Messiah was gone. The one they thought was going to come and overthrow the government is now gone. He died. So they went to the tomb. They didn't go to the tomb because they thought he would be gone. They went to the tomb because they bought some spices so they could do it properly because he deserved a proper burial. Isn't that messed up? His foes listened better than his followers did. His foes were sitting there like, uh, he said he's going to rise on the third day. Something's going to happen on the third day. His followers are off hiding in a room, and the women are coming to prepare his body because they thought he was gone. They thought they were just going to a tomb to do what they've done thousands of times before with other people that have died. It's heartbreaking. How are his foes going to believe him more than his followers did? But that was the predicament that they were in. See, but then an angel comes down. <clears throat> That's how I envisioned it. Light shining, and the tomb gets rolled away. The Roman guards are just in shock, standing there. And as the women arrive, they go and they look in, they're like, it's empty. It's empty. What's going on? What are we going to do? And Mary Magdalene, one of them, runs back and tells Peter and John. And it's funny, because John, he tells it, and he's like, hey, we came running, and I beat Peter there. He won't tell you his name. He called himself the one Jesus loved, but he, it's that humble brag. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I won't tell you my name, but I beat him. But once he got to the tomb, he didn't go in. He waited for Peter to come. Peter, he's just bullheaded, runs right into it. And now the tomb is empty. And they're looking around baffled. Like, what are we going to do? They're trying to process what it was, and they're like, and then off they go. They just leave. And then Mary Magdalene kind of was hanging out outside of it. Now, while all that was happening, I'm telling you a lot. I'm giving you the cliff notes. You're welcome. I'm pulling from all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See, because when you think of history, you want to go to the source, right? There's four books that corroborate it. And a lot of people look at it and go, yeah, but they're all a little different. I bet you, man, after last night's game when Gonzaga hit that game winner... I bet the coach said something different to the media. Some writer wrote a different story there versus the guy that talked to the guy on the losing team. It all tells about the same event and scenario that took place, but everyone had a different vantage point. Everyone was telling a different story. So that was what was going on is these gospels are telling different stories from different vantage points of what happened in the life of Jesus. And as Mary went back to get Peter and John, the other women had hung back. Mary, the mother of James, a few other, they don't say all the names. But then an angel comes to him. And this is what I want to read to you. I'm just excited. All right. They said, woman? <laughs> no sense to start that way, right? <laughs> woman, why are you crying? Like, didn't you know he had risen? And then as... These women are being told this by the angels. They're like, now go tell. Go tell all the others. Go tell the disciples. Go let them know that Jesus is risen. 
Go tell him. He's risen. And then when Mary gets back, they're probably already on their way. They're probably taking their time, though, because they're like, how am I going to go tell these dudes? Unfortunately, women didn't get a whole lot of respect. Like, what? They're not going to believe us. Really? But then as Mary Magdalene arrives back, same thing. Woman, he's not in here. The angel's talking to her, and she's sobbing, and, and she's crying, and her heart is broken. It says, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Some of you need to know, like, you've been going through life, just hurting, and you're like, I'm looking for Jesus, I'm looking for Jesus, and he is there, and you just don't notice him. I promise you, he's there, and he cares. She's like, oh, I don't notice him, though. And then Jesus asks her, woman, <laughs> only Jesus can get away with that. Angels and, and Jesus, so men, don't go home. Don't try this at home. I love what he asked her, though. Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener. See, some things, you think so many different things about who God is. I'm not going to go there now. That's just, that's for you. Some, that was for somebody. But she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. She just wants to give him the proper burial that he deserves. Just tell me, like, if you took him, please tell me where he's at because I want to go and get him. She would need some help. See, when you're acting emotionally too and you're in these hard places, it's hard to see through the storm. You're sitting there thinking, man, what am I supposed to do? Like, yeah, it's like that mom lifting a car. You know, you just have that adrenaline rush. Like, just tell me where Jesus is at because I'll go get him. I'll carry him myself because he deserves a proper burial. But Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which is like the ultimate sign of master, teacher. He called her by name, and she recognized his voice. Man, some of you got to know that Jesus is calling you by name. You're listening to the wrong voices in your life. You're listening to the wrong people because Jesus is alive and he is there. You might not recognize him, but he wants to say your name. But we got to drown out the noise. And here she is at his feet. She drops down to his feet and starts to worship and praise him. And he's like, you know, I need you to get up. I need you to, yeah, the verse is up there. I need you to get up and I need you to go tell my brothers. This is the first time Jesus referenced his disciples as his brothers. We are brothers and sisters in Christ and through Christ we get to have that authority and that priesthood. You have power and authority when you walk in step with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit residing inside you that you'll never understand and fully be able to realize and acknowledge. But if we just have some confidence, we can do it. And he's like, you've got to go back. Go tell my brothers. Let them know I'm coming. Meet him, I'm going to meet them at Galilee. So what's she do? She sprints off to tell him. Somewhere along the way, she connected back up with the other women because they all arrive. And as they arrive and they start telling all the guys, they're like, hey, Jesus is alive. I just saw him. 
Because he also revealed himself to the other women as they went. So it was Mary Magdalene first, and then the other group of women before they met back up with each other. Because he revealed himself five times on that first day. First two times he reveals himself to women. The first preaching the gospel are women going to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. You have to come back if you haven't been here before. Melissa will preach a message, I'm telling you. Jesus is alive. They show up and guess what? Did they start celebrating? Looked at them like they were crazy. No, nah, we're not going to believe you. And they don't believe them. But then, and two of them, so you've got her who's just broken in her heart and she had this sorrow and this brokenness, but Jesus met her where she's at and brought sorrow to joy. Met her with love to say, there is love here for you and I'm calling you by name. And some of you need to know that Jesus is calling you by name. And two of the disciples that were there, not the 12 disciples, but a disciple is a student. So somebody that's following Jesus. Two of them, they, they dismissed their claims so much that they're like, actually, I'm just going to go home. And they walk eight miles to Emmaus. Who wants to walk eight miles? I guess that was the only way back then. I'm not walking eight miles. Even driving eight miles takes too long. Close to Starbucks, eight miles? No, that's too far. 10, 15 minutes, 10. I could probably do it in eight. 60 miles an hour, right? If it's on the interstate, I'm on the interstate. I'm driving in a slow lane, I promise. <laughs> but they say, I'm out. I just was told that Jesus is alive. Not only that the tomb was empty, but now I'm getting the next part of the story that these women are letting him know that actually we saw Jesus. We're like, man, these dudes are crazy. They left, they just heard it. But some of you today, man, people have been telling you Jesus is alive for a long time and you're just like, whoop, deuces, I'm out. I don't want to hear this. No, no, stinging a little bit. I was there. I feel like I can talk about that confidently and boldly because I didn't know Jesus so I was 22 years old. I was trying to do things in my own strength. Drugs, alcohol, all of it. Living in brokenness. Life of the party, but went home feeling hollow and broken and hurting, in pain, crying in the darkest places that no one saw me, but tell you what Jesus did. So those places that some of you right now, you're like, man, I'm just in this darkness. But Jesus, he is the light in that darkness. And he's calling you by name and he's saying, turn back to me. But then they go and they're walking to Emmaus. Guess who strolls up next to him? Jesus. He says, yo, what up? What you talking about? Like, have you been under a rock? Do you not know what just happened? It's like, no, tell me about it. Jesus, he came, they killed him, he's gone. He's like, well, then why are you here? Sorry, Joe Miller. He's trying to go through the, the verses, I'm sure. I'm just paraphrasing for you. Why are you here? He didn't say that to him, though. He just keeps walking with him. And he, they invite him in for dinner. So then he goes and he sits down to have a meal with these guys. And as they're having a meal, he goes, they didn't recognize him. I guess that... That was something that would have been important to share, right? You're like, how did they not know it was Jesus? He didn't, they didn't recognize him as he was walking along. But as he broke bread, they realized it was him. And then he vanished. 
And I'm thinking, how do you not know you were with Jesus? But we've all been there. They lost hope. When you look at life with hopelessness, it's easy to look at the negative in everything. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to think everything is just getting worse and worse and worse. And you lose hope even when someone's sharing with you the greatest news ever told. What Jesus promised is coming to fruition. How do we continue to forget that? And here's the other part that's hilarious to me. Is that when the women went back and they told all the disciples in that upper room and they did nothing, those Roman soldiers, they ran back to Pilate and said, yo, guess what just happened? Paraphrasing again. <laughs> the tomb was rolled away. They saw it all, man. Jesus is gone. It's like, hey, how much will it cost you to keep this quiet? Why do our foes take more action than the followers of Jesus? Why is that happening? Like, it's crazy. It's not surprising, though. Think about the effort people go to leave a bad review online or to troll somebody on Facebook and Instagram. Like, you're really quick to say, that looks horrible on you. But you don't want to say, yo, you look good in that. Might hurt your own heart a little bit too much, right? Insecurities. Because the enemy, man, those people coming against you, it's going to happen. That's life. We live in a broken world. But they're going to try to find the things in life that are negative to tear you down. They wanted to hide the greatest story ever told. See, and if you look back historically, you'll find documentation that Jesus did live. Through Roman articles, you'll find the fact that he was resurrected. I mean, that he was crucified. But the resurrection is what they kind of keep hush-hush. No one can deny that those people saw Jesus, though. See, but these men going back to Emmaus, man, they, they did the opposite of take action even. They didn't even just stay there sulking. They just lost hope and went. But man, when Jesus opened his palms, I wonder, did they see his scars? But then, they sprint back to go tell the disciples. And as they arrive there, about to share the news. They're like, oh yeah, he revealed himself to Cephas. That's Simon. That's Peter. Dude's got a whole lot of names. We'll call him The Rock. Rock's in the building. That's my friend, The Rock. So they're now believing Peter, which is annoying, right ladies? <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, Peter has risen. Then they're like, well, guess what happened to us? And this is what's great, because this is when Jesus shows up. I got to scroll down. Sorry, I haven't been looking at notes. So we're just, we're making moves, right? All right, here we go. Luke 24, 36. Well, they were still talking about this, so now they're getting excited. They heard Jesus was alive. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. After Jesus says your name, you need to know that Jesus is saying, Peace be with you. He's offering you peace. He's saying this to the disciples that abandoned him. Other than John, John was the only one that saw that crucifixion take place. The rest of them vanished. And they're hiding in a room. What if your friends just abandoned you, right? He took the fall. You know that person that goes to prison, takes the fall for somebody, like never says a word? 
man. But Jesus paid his life for it. And they abandoned him. He could have come and be like, man, y'all let me down. But that's not how he responded. That's not who Jesus is. He says, peace, I give you. He's offering him peace. He's offering you peace today. Whatever you're facing, whatever struggles that you're going through, he's not mad at you for walking away. He's not mad at you for having lost hope. He's saying that's okay because I am the God of hope. I am the God of abundantly more. I'll meet you where you're at and I'll put hope in. I'll put courage in. I'll put life in. That's who Jesus is. And he says, I've come to you in peace. They were freaking out. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. Again, didn't recognize him. Looked different to him. I'm asked the worship team to come up. And he said, why are you troubled? And why did doubts rise in your minds? Why are you troubled? Jesus is in the room. Jesus is with you. He's meeting you where you're at. He's saying, look, I, I want to replace sorrow with love and with joy. Heartache and pain, hopelessness with hopefulness. And he shows up into this room with all of them and said, look, I'm coming here to turn fear into faith. Sitting there scared in a room. You know how he got in there? He didn't knock. He just appeared. The door was locked. They were afraid. They thought they might be next. So let's just hide out and see what happens. In the room where it happened. In the room where it happened. That was from Hamilton, folks. But he's like, man, I'm here. I'm offering you peace. Here are my wounds. Look at my hands and feet, he says. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe. Some of you haven't believed him for a long time and you keep thinking, man, I can't go back. I got to get myself right first. And that is wrong. Because Jesus will keep pursuing you. He's going to keep calling your name. He's going to keep meeting you in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your hopelessness, in the midst of your fear. And he will say, I will meet you there. Look at these scars. Look at what I have done for you. I will meet you in the middle of it and I will pull you out. And when they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? I love food. Who doesn't like food? But he wants to show them, if I'm a ghost, I can't eat food. So let's eat some. Let me show you what's happening. See, some of us, though, Jesus is coming in. He's showing up, and you've seen him move a few times. But, man, some just keeps pulling you back in into this world. It keeps pulling you back. But to Jesus, you're sitting as far as the east is from the west. He's not holding it against you. He's saying, look, let me come and meet you where you're at because I've got something better for your life. But we get caught up and we get lost in it. And we start to lose hope, start to lose faith. Some of us may have never even made that decision to say, yes, I want what Jesus has to offer. 
but he shows up in these five different ways. And here's what's remarkable. Here's, here's how his story impacts their story, because now they're believing, right? But now how it impacts your story. Your story is not finished. And God just wants to finish it out for you, though. He wants to be the author, because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. His story is the greatest story ever told, and he wants to make your story greater than you possibly think it could be. That is his promise, not mine. But in all these scenarios, nobody recognized them. And some of you need to know that when you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, when you step into a relationship with Jesus, people are going to look at you and be like, man, I don't recognize you. You look different. You look different. And you can tell them that was me then. Now introduce them to me now. Because if you knew the me then, you wouldn't know the me now. If we had a conversation, you'd probably ask yourself how. How did he overcome depression and change his lifestyle? Because the me then couldn't see a way out. Addicted to depressions, I was drowning in my self-doubt. Who would have thought the me then could turn into the me now? Jesus, did he save me from drowning? That's why I'm free now. That can be your story. That's my story. Man, I'm a wreck in worship. I'm glad she was the one to come up and do the welcome because tears are just flowing because I'm envisioning the grave and the tomb that I stepped out of. The resurrection that I was able to have. See, but here's the thing. When you step into a relationship with Jesus, you're going to look different to people. But guess what? The scars are still there, and that's cool. Because you can go to people and say, look at my scars. Scars, like, they build up. It might be visibly look different, but it's stronger than the rest of your skin. Jesus shows them his scars. You cannot be afraid to show people your scars. You want to impress people, share them about your successes. You want to impact people, share them your scars. And that's what Jesus did in that moment. He's saying, these are my scars. This is what I have done for you. And we get to be a part of that too. But we want to play the victim all the time. Been victimized. Or maybe it's that we've got too much sin in our lives. I've messed up too many times. Scars can come a number of ways. It can be things self-inflicted or things that were inflicted upon you. But regardless of what the situation is, Jesus reconciles all things. He brings life to all things. He puts death to anything that was holding you back from the glory of God. Think about it, Jesus. Friends abandon him. Leave him on his own. Stands trial for a crime he did not commit. The penalty is death by crucifixion. They ridicule him, they spit on him, they beat him with this whip that has rocks at the end or teeth at the end and his body is bloody and he's walking and they make him carry his own cross through town while people just ridicule him abandoned and on his own and he goes up on this cross and he says forgive them for they know not what they do some of you need to know you are forgiven those criminals on the cross he said today you will be in paradise with me to the one who said can I come with all you got to say is Jesus I want to come with 
Yes, I believe in who you are. I believe in the power that you have for me. The invitation is for anybody and it's free. There's no set of steps, no process you have to go through. It says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. I'm living proof of it, a byproduct to someone that's been to jail, done stupid stuff, but you know what? My Redeemer is Jesus and I'll share my scars. And he wants you to share your scars too, but sometimes you just have to say, I'm gonna accept this moment. I'm gonna step into this moment. I'm gonna make this decision. And right now we never leave an opportunity for someone to make that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus before we close the service because this is why we do what we do. So that people know that they can come in broken, feeling ashamed, feeling isolated, feeling lonely, but you can come and find a place here to know you belong because you belong with God. He is so close to the brokenhearted. So in this space this morning, I'm going to ask if everybody could bow your head and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God's been speaking to you today. Whatever God's been moving and stirring within your heart, some of you today have never made that decision to say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to make it real easy for you. I'm going to count to three, and when I hit three, you can shoot your hand up. See, if you've already made that decision right now in your heart, God knows, and you're saved. I'm not saying your hand has to go up. I'm just letting you know that when you raise your hand, that's helping it for yourself. Because when God does something internally and you can make an external expression, you're like, man, I'm holding on to this right now. So when I count to three, if that's you today, I want you to shoot your hand up high. One, you need to know that Jesus loves you. Two, you need to know that he died for you and he met you right where you're at and he will never leave you or forsake you. And three, if that's you, could you shoot your hand up today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I'm going to pray with you. For anyone that made that decision, you can go ahead and put your hands down. I'm going to pray with you right now. And you can just respond in your heart. You can own this prayer. I'm going to do it for you. Make it easy. God, thank you so much for people right now who made that decision to say yes to a relationship with you. God, I thank you that you met them right where they're at, but that because they believe that you resurrected from the dead, that they have eternal life through you and they can live in joy and peace right now in your presence. God, we thank you that we can praise and celebrate it now and not because you die, but because you are alive and you are seated high and on the throne. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate right now? Some lives were just changed. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.